Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. The shelf, the house that came with the shelf. Um, explore for a moment, because I just realized my notebook is over there. So, so one second, please. <laughs> I'm back. And two more people have shown. Well, good morning, good afternoon from, from sunny Seattle, Washington. Good to see you all. Um, so today I would like to make a special thanks to my co-parent, ex-wife, Karen, for uh, taking the kids this morning so I could get some studying done, a little more studying done, and work on today's talk. Um, and they get to go swimming while I talked rather than sitting on their, their uh, screens. So here we are. Um, so today I think we'll jump into it because I think we got a lot. We'll see. can go fast and go quick sometimes. Um, So as I was preparing this week, when you start doing talks based on memes, it's, you know, it's getting bad. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to, before we get started, wanted to thank you all who were able to make donations to Revolution this week because, um, as you saw, our um, uh, the folks who do our finances um, sent me an email being like, hey! You guys don't have any money and we're not going to make payroll and which because we have to pay your bills first and i'm like yeah well always pay the bills first and um some of you gave so it looks like uh we'll make that so that's great and i want to say thank you for your support of this work um that's you know 30 almost 30 years next year um 30 years next year so uh which is insane which is nuts um, maybe we can get some of the old folks to come out and talk about revolution over the years and all the different cities and places we've been, um, and what we've done and, and people we've met and lost and loved and all that. So I'd like to thank you all, you know, financial support really, really does help a lot. Um, and you get three free sons. There you go. Um, I'm joking, in case someone has to, you know, no one watches this anymore, but, you know, uh, the, uh, there used to be some really conservative Calvinists who used to, like, go through my talks. Like, that would be their episode of the show, is going through my talks and cutting clips of my talks and talking about how they were unsound doctrine. Was, you know, I don't think that happens much anymore. Um, all right, so, here we go. 
Um, so anyway, like I said, I, 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 memes, when you start using memes for your talks as inspirations for your talks, have things gone horribly wrong? I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. So I, there's a couple memes that inspired me, uh, inspired me to give this talk today. I mean, I was having some deep thoughts and they fit in, okay? So I don't want to say the memes got me, but there was some, some deep thoughts that got in my head and, uh, and the memes went along with those thoughts. And also I was reading Tillich, so that's always good. Meme number one, now I put these memes up on different social media sites so you could see them. I put them up on the Facebook, Revolution Facebook. I put them up on the Revolution Instagram messages, you know, not, I mean the message of the stories. So it's in the stories so you can see them in the stories so you can see the actual ones. Um, I can't show you on my phone because I'm actually using my phone right now to, to come to you live from Washington, Seattle, Washington, home of grunge, rock and roll, and Starbucks. Um, so the first meme is the guy from The Office, the snarky character. Gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, never watched much of The I mean, I did watch The Office, but I, I just can't remember their names. But he's holding the two signs, you know, and he's pointing to them, and people write different stuff in there and make memes. And the first one is, your religion does not prohibit me from anything. And then the second one, he says, um, it prohibits you. Learn the difference. So this idea that your religion does not prohibit me from doing anything. And I would also say, your theology does not permit me from doing anything, um, it prohibits you. And people often forget that. And it's almost, you could put in convictions as well, is your conviction does not, you know, mean that's my conviction to make me do something or not do something. The whole idea here, though, is that we often, I think if people think of Christianity in America, and I mean, if you think of other religions in other countries, they are saying, do as we say, do as our religion says. And uh, thank God we don't live in a country that we're forced to be under other people's religious dictatorship. Um, but there are some things that happen. Like there's, you know, people base laws based on religion. And that does happen in some place in, in America. It does happen here. So anyway, let's just get into talking about that for a minute. So I see this a lot of people saying, you've got to follow my convictions, but it's not just Christians. It's also movements, you know, and it could be conservative movements. It can also be liberal movements. I mean, I think when some of these conservatives go like, oh, go woke, you know, whatever, they go, freak out about woke stuff. I think some of that stuff has to do with the idea that sometimes liberals say, think like us, you know, do what we say, be tolerant like we tell you to be tolerant, or you're out, you know, don't question this, don't talk about this, don't say this. So both sides have rules and regulations, you know, left and right of, of, of like, well, you know, you've got to do this or you got to have this or you got, I don't know, just different rules and regulations that require that if you don't follow them, you're not in or that you're canceled. And, or, you know, so often I remember during, um, during COVID, I was like, hey, you know, this is big pharma and the government, like two groups I don't usually agree with. 
I was talking to somebody about this and I'm like, you know, is this, do you think this is the best idea? Just having like a conversation with somebody I trusted. And they were like, oh, have you been red-pilled, bro? Like, all of a sudden, like, all my, my whole political life just went out the window because I asked a question about something that I was going to put in my body and my children's bodies uh, that was recommended by companies that have killed friends of mine because of their pharmaceutical need for money. These big pharma that has killed friends of mine through their medications has screwed up a lot of people's lives and caused horrible addictions and caused uh, psychiatry just to be prescription-based now that it's not even really barely a medical practice anymore. Um, it's just like, here, take your pills. You wanna talk to somebody, there's a therapist that you can arrange with over there. Um, so yeah, I've got issues with both groups of folks. Like, and then it's like, oh, and then we're gonna support war. You know, I'm like, wait, wait, but we used to not support, I, I don't know, I can't keep up with like what's freaking right and what's wrong on my on the left and you know and the right seems pretty batshit crazy as well sometimes so it, it's really hard to keep up so one of the things I, I i i think we'll talk about especially in the end of this talk is autonomy self-governing <laughs> interesting enough i think a lot of people would say oh that's unbiblical and we're going to push on that really hard so the second one was from a, a guy named Reverend J uh, Benjamin Creamer, which is quite a last name. Um, and he says, Christianity should sound like, and this is what he says it should sound like, my beliefs continue to deepen my love for others. And he goes, but it should not sound like this. The depth of my love for others is contingent on how deeply they confirm my beliefs. And once again, this is not just about Christianity. I think this could be about anything with like being a conservative or being a liberal or being a Democrat and being a Republican or being Green Party or being, you know, whatever, all this different stuff that we seem to, to be our real gods, you know, the, the corporations and the politicians um, who, who seem to be the real gods. Who really like, they, they, I feel like politicians have more effect on our theology than proper theologians do, you know? And then I, some theologians I see, all they do is make fun of other Christians who don't believe their theology. So it's really like, what in the hell's going on? Um, <laughs> it's anarchy, it's insanity. Um, but this idea, and I posted this one up as well from Reverend Benjamin Creamer. Um, not that the depth of my love for others is contingent on how deeply they confirm my beliefs. And so we've got a lot of conditions on how we love others. Um, I did see uh, someone post the other day about unconditional love. And I, I wanna say like, unconditional love is a great concept, an idea, but when you practice it in relationships, it can be bad. Like. I don't, like, I can love my kids unconditionally, but, like, my wife or my partner, like, that's probably not going to be um, an unconditional thing because we both have to, like, learn to respect each other and treat each other well and look, care about each other. And so it's, I, I tried unconditional love for a lot of my work and, uh, for a lot of my work, <laughs> Freudian slip right there, and both of my marriages, and I realized looking back that that might have been part of the why those marriages didn't 
do so well is because I thought, you know, being a people pleaser was unconditionally loving or being in a relationship that wasn't healthy for me was somehow me being unconditionally loved. And we see that happen, you know, we've seen it happen in the church like in the 80s and 90s and people in these districts, a lot of people in, in now. In, you know, in more evangelical churches where they're like, God is the man and the woman's being beat. And they're like, you have to stay in that marriage. You know, it's like this like insanity, like cult type mentality um, uh, that often creeps into religion. Um, we see that happen as well. Um, and, and so I think that's where the, uh, the idea of unconditional love can kind of become, and uh, you know. So I think it's, it's being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, you know. It's watching out for others, watching out for yourself, understanding one another's community, uh, but also ultimately, like, making sure that you have what you need and that the other has, you know, give and, give and take. Not popular, but it is a good thing. So as I was thinking about this, um, I've been thinking a lot about Reformation and the possibility of Reformation in this, in in the church community, um, even though I've kind of, why we call ourselves, call ourselves a gathering is because I feel like we're just gathered together and we're people and it's not, right now I just feel like the church has just lost its way. Um, very easy to be judgmental, right? Um, not that I have my way perfectly planned out, um, but we've come together and we're, we talk about that here, is, you know, what's going on, capital C, and so, when I see the church lost its way, I don't much mean like Joel Olstein and this conservative guy over here and these mega churches. That's not all I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about small churches. I'm talking about theologians. I'm talking about philosophers. I'm talking about like people I see online. I'm talking about progressive churches. I, I, you know, here, I'm going to be the bad guy. You know, I'm going to come in and say like, I just see a lot of us and them mentality that and scapegoating that I just... I feel like we, we that's just not what I want in my life. And, and I'll probably be a little bit more transparent about that today than I have in the past just because the opportunity is there with this talk. But I do believe a modern reformation is possible. Um, and not everyone will participate. And that's the thing about reformations is, is that's the thing is I think, you know, when a reformation happens, not everybody participates uh, but then we think, well, the next Reformation is just going to bring everybody together and we're going to sing Kumbaya. And, but why do you have Protestants and Catholics? You know, well, because the Protestants reformed and left that church, but they didn't stay part of the Catholic church, you know. They didn't stay there. They moved on. And now most folks who listen here are, are either, you know, recovering Catholics and probably some recovering Protestants as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, Protestant ideals and Luther and these things are, are a lot of, what I've practiced most of my life, but I've even found that Protestantism sometimes demands this my way or the highway way of thinking, just depending on what your politician has told you or your overbearing theology has told you. Um, uh, sometimes is that, you know, you obey the community, you obey the, 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 the group think, you do this. You know, it's not, it doesn't seem about Jesus. It seems to be a very group think idea. Well, we all have these convictions, so you follow our convictions. And there's not a whole lot of room for saying, like, well, there's a diversity, and people have different convictions, and there are different parts of the body, so different people belong. Um, 
that's, that's a struggle for some people. Uh, and so what I want to make clear is that in, in, these, in, in Reformation, when things change, when you dream big, and when things like this happen, not everybody participates. There's a lot of people who stay with the old guard. And I thought it was really funny and maybe a Freudian slip that I put my new order shirt on this morning. I didn't do it on purpose, but as I was walking home, I was like, is that like a Freudian, Freudian slipped this shirt on this morning? Um, the idea of new order, um, you know, because they came out of Joy Division, the other band, um, and the idea of just something new, a new order happening. Um, but not, you know, so not everyone will participate. You know, there's people who really like the old way and will stay in that and will say, well, no, this is how it's always been done. You know, and you think about it, progressive or conservative, like you really don't know what the church, half the time if you walk into a church, you go, oh, I can tell. Well, you start, go in as soon as the music starts. And some of you are experts and will know from the music. I wouldn't have no idea because I've never been interested in, in worship music all that much. Um, but I won't know until the pastor starts speaking. I might be able to tell by the looking at the people, but you know what? You could be really wrong really easy. Um, you know, because I've gone to evangelical churches. I've gone to, like, mainline denominations. I've gone to even Catholic services. Uh, I've gone to Jewish services. But, like, within the Christian world, you it's hard to tell until the person starts speaking, you know, or until they bring the snakes out. Well, usually when they bring the snakes out, that's a good sign that, you know, something's different here. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, because it's the same thing. We meet at this building when we do this, and this is how we fellowship, and this is how we act, and this is who we like, and this is who we don't like. And to me, this is not a system that should be maintained. And there's a reason it's dying, because it doesn't work. You know, I mean, I felt like an old-time fiery preacher when I'm like, it shouldn't be a social club, you know. I think community's great, but I want to be a part of a community. I don't want to start a community. And that's what revolution has always been part of, is like, hey, how can I be a part of a community where I live? I don't need to start this community and tell everybody, this is how we think, and this is who we love, and you shall follow me. I mean, if you really think about it, like, cults are just less popular churches in some ways. You know? With more sex, usually. There's usually, like, a sex cult involved, you know? Because everybody knows they're having sex in that cult. And then our cults, we just, we don't talk about it. And I mean, I guess I get progressives do now. <laughs> they're very free. Well, I went to this progressive... Um, this was really funny. I had not been to a church conference in years. And I recently went to a church conference. A friend of mine was there and invited me to come by. And, you know, they were liberal. I don't want to say progressive. I don't know. I, I wasn't there for the whole thing. I came by just to see my buddy and, and, and have a drink and listen. And the one thing that was really different from when I was, I, I told my buddy, I'm like, you know what's really different is they throw around, they say a lot. Like they, the F word flies around. And I always thought that was like, I always had to use that word really particularly because I would usually end up having to answer text or emails. I'm like, so they've really become very liberal with that. Maybe Nadia Boltz-Weber brought that out and that, <laughs> she likes that word. Um, so, so they come very free with that word. Um, but it was still like a really, like, otherwise I wouldn't have really known the difference, to be honest with you. I mean, some of the things I was, you know, they were talking about, I wouldn't have known the difference, but... It's just one of those things like you can't judge by by looking, you know, and it's fine. I, I'm not I'm not here. I'm not going to turn your tables over and say, you know, resistance is futile. 
you know, that this doesn't, this, I don't think a reform a reformation in this point needs to be like it was. I don't think we need to go, I mean, could you imagine if we had to nail up our new, our 95 thesis and, and go, <laughs> we have to go to like 85,000 churches. I don't think it's about that. Um, but I do think it's about thinking differently. And uh, like I said, not everyone will participate and that's okay. I think I know a lot of great Catholics. So, you know, like it's like not everybody has to participate. We don't have to go to war. Um, you know, let folks hold on to their way. And there's a reason why I say that is, as, um, but, I, but what I want to talk about is what I think about the hard part. And I'm going to say, how do we get there? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute too. But I think one of the hard parts is to figure out how we disengage without closing the door on conversation. Because I think particularly what's important is that still the conversation is important. Community with others and talking to the others has got to be part of what happens next, is, is that we don't have an us and them. We don't have that we disassociate with this group and we don't talk to these people. You know, that's, uh, that's kind of what the, the reform would be reforming from is this, diso this disassociation with all others, you know, with all others and all those communities. And so I've been trying to really do this in my own life to see if it works, you know. And some of it's been blocking certain people. Sometimes it's muting people that I may know that I don't want to make them feel bad for blocking. So I just maybe mute them on social media and different things like that. Um, because a lot of folks, like, I like what they're saying, you know, but even sometimes when it's like, oh, look at I got this conservative guy really good and we showed them and blah, blah, blah. But I have to bring that into my life, but I also have to bring in what these other people were thinking and saying, and it's like, ah, oh, that's just not the world I want to be in anymore. That's a world that really hurt my family, really messed them up. I would like to help those people, but until that opportunity arises, I don't really want to watch this. I don't want to see each other, hey, watch us own each other. Like, I'm going like, this is, like, instinctively, I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, show them what, what you got. But then there's another part of me that's just like, when does this shit stop? You know, when do we stop doing this cycle because then now we get to really you know the conservatives raise money going like well look at what the liberal christians are doing look what they're bringing into the church you know and the liberal christians are like look what they're saying to us look what they're doing you know hey you know and so everybody's just got like this cycle like the recycling sign of just like this we can now we can just use each other to raise money and say like oh we got to protect each other from them those guys you know and they might be able to unite and come together and say we've got to protect people from jay because he's trying to destroy all of our churches which is not true but you know maybe that'll work do you see what i'm saying though it's like the devil's in the details you know so everybody you know everybody's being you know suffering for christ that's what both sides both sides think that you know everybody in war you know Somebody goes in thinking like God's not on our side. You know, people go and think God's on their side. That's why they are there and that most people been you know, in that war. Um, so that's going to be the hard part is how do we disengage without closing the door or, or having the conversation? And I think one of those ways is having boundaries, but like I've said, having boundaries with doors, open doors. You know, so... I hadn't heard from my dad in years. And then recently he called me out of the blue a few, a few months ago and we had a, a tough conversation, but a good conversation. And it's that boundary of saying the doors are open. I'm just not running through them anymore. You know, like I can't do that because it hurt. It's hurtful to me. So the doors are open. And I think that's the kind of way we go is like, hey, 
we've got an open door policy here and we're willing to have tough conversations. Um, but some of this stuff we've got to kind of protect ourselves from, you know, like these, these are, these are just things like that we're moving on because we think there might be another way to do this. And the old model doesn't seem to be working even when we just change, like the music might be a little bit more, you know, we might be a little more, say we're a little bit more open and accepting, but really we're still, you know, how do we how to say, hey, we want to open a community that has opened for, and we've done it here, I think, is, is diverse thinking, where there are people who have diverse thoughts and so, some are, 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 are Republicans and some are Green Party and some are not voting at all and you know, some are Democrats and some, you know, and, and different theologies. Some people believe in atonement theory, some people don't. Some are atheists, you know. We have tough conversations and we try not to scapegoat each other. We try to listen and speak well and argue well. And that's an important thing. Now this just isn't Christians doing this. So as you may know, I was really excited that the new PIL album came out, um, Public Image Limited, uh, with John Lydon as the singer. He used to be the singer for the Sex Pistols. He, 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 I don't, I, it's, it's funny, they had one album, and you still have to refer to that album because it was such an explosion into the world. Um, but PIL has had like 11 albums, I think, and they're, I think they're amazing, but they're kind of artsy, so some, not everybody's taste. Anyhow, so yesterday, I'm on the, I have John Lydon, I think I have PIL on my, 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 my watch things on Facebook, like, so I subscribe to the hashtags when people use them, and that's how I meet new people who like things I like. And uh, this guy had a picture of John Lydon getting punched in the face, and I guess John Lydon in some interviews said that, that you know, the left has, got, has gone too crazy and the whatever or something, and he's like, you know, they've lost their way or... I don't know exactly what was said because I tried to read, but he was basically like, you should not listen to this album and, you know, we should protest this and, you know, the guy's a fake punk and I was, I was reading the message. Oh, and you guys have heard me harp on this stuff before, but this was just yesterday. And so I decided to leave a comment. And my comment was, is like, it's a sad day that we can't, and, you know, when we, when we won't, I said, it's sad and it's, this is a bit boring, really, is that we can't accept when people have different, you know, diverse thoughts or diverse political things. It's like, oh, we want diversity on the outside, but on the inside, nope, we want you to think like we do. Like, we want to look like a rainbow, but we're not thinking like a rainbow, you know? Um, <laughs> we're one or two colors inside and that's how it works, <laughs> you know? Freak flag outside like-minded inside we're all like-minded here and that makes the world a horrifically boring place at times and because we don't because a lot of the times we're lazy or we're tired or we're just life is too much we don't want to interact with people who think differently than us and that's a problem and so that's where dying to one's flesh comes in in the bible and thinking like this is like Oh, that's where he, why it talks about picking up your cross and doing things like that. Like, life's not easy. Loving people is not easy. I mean, I think Jesus, you know, carrying the cross would be a great idea of like, this is, it's tough. Life is tough. It's hard to love people. This is what love looks like sometimes. Love looks like being humiliated sometimes. 
Love looks like loving the wrong people at times. You know, I love John Lydon. I don't always agree with him. I'm not gonna put on a Make America Great t-shirt by any means, but I love his art and I love his work and a lot of his life work has inspired me to be a better person and be even a more honest person. So I just said, hey, this is pretty sad that we can't, that we all have to think the same way, you know? But then I saw another, another message on Twitter the other night. And I know this is so funny that I'm talking about people like, oh, don't have much of a life. <laughs> right, I'm a father of two young children. Um, this is what I get to do if they watch a video. Um, or read, uh, yesterday I actually got to read Paul Tillich, why my daughter took a bath and my son played a video game. Um, but, but somebody was like, if you don't make your child go to church, they will not grow up the way. If you give them a choice between the church and the world, they're always gonna go to the world because the world is, and so I had to meet this person. It was a bummer because we always had good conversations. But I just couldn't see this anymore. Like I just was like, this is not the world. This is just right now I need a break from this. And because I was going to react, you know. So my son, I don't take to church, but we've had him in Christian camps and regular camps, YMCA camps, and, and different things like that. And... You know, they went to a really great preschool, Christian preschool. They're going to public school now. Um, I don't attend a church. I do this. And um, my kids don't know a whole lot about church. And then Milo, my son, who is about to turn eight, he's seven, was talking to me the other night and saying everybody was going around talking about what they wanted to do at school. And I was like, oh, that's cool, yeah. And he's like, They're kidding. everybody wanted to be like an astronaut or a fireman or the president. And he's like, and I raised my hand, and their school's pretty progressive. Like, they have, like, you know, a, a, a rainbow flag frying out in front of the, the public school here. That, you know, so it's, it's pretty progressive, to say the least. And he raised his hand, and I said, what we, and he goes, and I told everybody I wanted to be a pastor. And he's like, and the music teacher, because this was in music class, was like, you mean, like, in a church? <laughs> and I was like, yes. And I thought... You know, I've talked to him about Martin Luther King Jr. and I've talked to him about the Bible and, you know, but nothing like crazy. Like, I've, you know, not like I grew up. And I just thought, how is this just this complete opposite of what this guy was saying, you know, of like, I haven't like convinced my children that they have to follow Jesus or they have to do this or that. Um, but through just a few things, like my son's like, I want to be a pastor and I want to help people and I want to talk to people and like you do, you know? And maybe it's just that he loves his dad a lot. I don't know. But the point it was mean is like, I didn't have to like kick him in the, I wanted to be like, don't do it, do something else, become a doctor so you can pay for dad's retirement home, you know? Um, <laughs> but anyway, that was, I thought was pretty interesting. You know, so we have to learn how to disengage without closing the door on the conversation. And, you know, and I believe there was a group of folks who were trying to do that. And I believe the emergent church was really trying to do that. And, um, and it, it fell apart. And it's funny thing is it fell apart because progressives, a lot of progressives came in and a lot of, I think, mainline denominations came in and said, oh, you guys aren't doing it like we think you should. 
And I think we had so many people from those different denominations involved in the conversation because it wasn't a denomination. It was just a group of people gathering together. And some people, oh, it's too white. Oh, it's too male. Oh, it's too this. But I, I knew the, I knew these people. Like I knew they were like a lot of the leaders were like Nadia Bolt Weber and Rachel Held Evans. And, you know, so it wasn't like just, you know, um, probably could have been sparkled in some, some more diversity of color. But the point was, I think they were doing it we were trying to do something different and I think we were kind of doing it well but it was really more of the progressives who came in and said you're not doing a good enough job and there was no really even official leadership but the people who helped organize events and things like that just kind of slipped away and now there's no more emergent movement it's over you know and you know some people got great careers and some people disappeared into the night. And, um, but it was a really cool community to come together and have these tough conversations and be able to disagree and disagree well and nobody was thrown out or kicked out or ostracized. Um, so it was wild. It was wild to, to see that, to be a part of something like that and just see it all of a sudden stop. Um, you know, I, I do really cherish the time I had there because up until then, I'd always felt kind of like a lone ranger talking about grace, you know, all the time. Um, some of my Lutheran brothers and sisters reached out to me, and that was always nice. But, you know, when I, when I, I felt like I met a community that I could be a part of, and I'm a very isolated person. So um, interesting, though. I just think it's an interesting thing that, like, a lot of progressives are the reason, like, the, the emergent church stopped meeting. And I think that's just an impressive factoid of, like, oh, <laughs> You're too close to us and not close enough. So it just kind of faded away. Um, but a lot of people's lives were touched by that. I mean, that's how I met Peter Rollins. You know, that's how I met my buddy Tony Jones. That's how I met Brian McLaren. That's how I met Nadia. That's how I met, you know, I met all, I got to speak with a lot of these people. And that's why I know a lot of you is, is from those days. And so that was really, uh, really cool um, to meet. Oh, goodness gracious. What is this? Joseph seems to be. I don't think we need a utopia. No, this is not about a utopia. This is about living life well and loving each other and having struggles. This is not utopian. This is actually very anti-utopian. I think that's too, like when I look at people like when they're mad at John, John Lydon and, he, and he's talking about the left, but he's talking about a lot of this like really like the left trying to control things and control the narrative and control the media you know, and, and, and canceling people. And I think he's referring to some of that. He's just saying, like, we could, probably couldn't make that album back then you know, that we made then, or we couldn't do that, you know, and things have changed, and he's in his 60s, so he's seen it more than, or almost 70 probably, he's seen it more. So there's these ideas of that people are just going like, we don't, you know, we don't want a utopia. We want to say war's bad. It doesn't matter who's throwing the bombs. It doesn't matter who's doing it, you know. This kind of control is not good, you know. It's tough, you know. Um, so, uh, but that's great, you know. You're welcome to have that opinion if, if that's what you feel like we need, you know. But I'm going to push back on that. I don't think that's what we need. It's, it's not a utopian ideal, but I think sometimes people just hear, oh, this sounds progressive, so it must be this. Or this sounds conservative, so it must be this, you know. And we have these things that trigger us and then we go against them. And I think that's another thing about this, uh, the idea of, of a reformation is that we're gonna have to stop being so triggered all the time. And we're gonna have to really stop judging. And it's funny because the Bible says, stop judging, how you judge, you will be judged, pressed down, shaking together. You know, who, why are you judging? 
what is your place to judge? So there really is a thing in the Bible that says don't judge each other. And we judge each other like crazy. Like people love to read the Beatitudes, but they only read like, oh, the blessed are the poor and the dying and the widow and all that. And I agree because, man, I'm poor and I've lost people and it sucks and it's awful. But then they forget about the part of like, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, you know, stop judging each other. When we go, oh, shit, we kind of forgot that part, you know, like we left that out. Don't demand, love never demands its own way. We, oh, we're just, we're going to use Corinthians 13 for weddings now. Hey, Jesus, it's for weddings now. Paul, I'm sure Paul thought it was for weddings and for those two people getting married and not for the whole community and not for other people. And this is where it gets tough. So when you're a woke brother and sister and you're a conservative brother and sister and you're sitting down and you're having dinner together and you're having a conversation, it's tough. It's tough not to demand your own way. I have some friends who are some of the most intelligent people in the world and we'll sit down and talk about politics and we have to take a break. We get heated. It gets tough. Nobody's above that. I mean, God uses, I mean, anyway, I don't even want to talk about God right now. What I'm trying to talk about is community and what we do with this community. And if what your ideas of God is, our idea is God is love, God is the ground of all being, God is being, so to, to argue God exists or doesn't exist is irrelevant to me. But, because it's bigger than that. Um, it is bigger than that because I don't even know what it is sometimes. But I know what I'm, what I'm trying to do here is say, how do we get, how do we live in the friction? You know, how do we stop being these like self-indulgent, self-righteous pricks where we come in and say, well, if you don't accept this type of theology, you're not in. You know, if you don't accept, you know, if you're not completely conservative or completely progressive, if you don't do this type of things, if you don't, you know, you're, not, you're out. But that's not anything to do with Christianity. That is not the religion. If you want to live that way, live that way, but that is not the religion of Christianity. Take care of the poor. Love the homeless. Love your enemy. Love your neighbor. Love God. That's Christianity. Take care of the sick. Help the poor. That's Christianity. Um... Okay, I got to continue to go on. I also think part of the, the Reformation will be really particularly possible um, by scholarship. Um, I think scholarship is a vital. I think it has to be good scholarship. I think it has to be well-tested scholarship. I think it's something that we're going to have to learn more about the Bible and where it comes from and what it's meant and who wrote it and what all this, the history and things. Uh, in order to understand the scholarship and test good scholarship, but I think scholarship is part of it. I think Dan McClellan's job right now of coming out and uh, he talks some about politics and stuff on Twitter, and if I was his PR guy, I would say drop that stuff and just talk about the scholarship because I think everybody needs it. I think everybody on both sides, and I don't want you to keep a particular audience away because I think everything you're saying is vitally important to the church, capital C. I think he's doing great work, and I think scholarship has been ignored for so long, 
And it's wild too, because if you bring up good scholarship, people are like, oh, then you come in here, come in with scholarship. Yes, scholarship is part of it. Like if you want theology, you have to have good scholarship. If you want good theology. If you want bad theology, you can have a sixth grade understanding of reading the Bible and take it for face value. If you want something that's actually transformative and powerful, you need good scholarship. It's called learning. It's called knowing what you believe. It's tough as another tough part, but I think scholarship as a big part of that. And I think proper theology is a part of that. I think we look at good theology, powerful theology, time-tested theology. I think that's important as well. I think we take, uh, I think we would take a page from Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and say, listen, this is about attraction, not promotion. You know, and, hey, what band do you think will get the kids in? You know, <laughs> that was always the question. Who do you think the kids will come and see? <laughs> um, how many, like, remember, I'm Generation X, so almost everybody was like, Generation Excellent, you know, out there, you know, and all the, but it's spelled with an X. Um, all these X's and stuff. Yes, 12 steps, uh, are, uh, the 12-step program, it could, we could probably just learn to run the whole church like a 12-step program and it would be a better place. But I think attraction, not promotion, is a big part of it. Um, not that, like, I'm not saying that we don't promote the talks, because I have to in order to, do this, but we're not going out and saying like, "Come in, kids, and you gotta get, and you gotta leave your church. You gotta leave there. You gotta come over here, and we'll set you straight." You know, it's like, "What are you attracted to this?" Like, I finally, you know, got my life together when I was attracted to a twelve-step program. When I was like, "Oh, I'm attracted to that more than the way I feel all the time." Um, one of the things I've been doing my best, though, and I said this before, is like trying to stop participating in the race, in the, the, the cycle of conservative, liberal, conservative, Christian, liberal, Christian, progressive, Christian, fight, 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 and not even like watching this. People are like, have you watched, what's that show? Um, there's a show about televangelists. And I'm like, no, I don't watch it. I've lived it. I lived it, I went through it, I was there, and I'm done with it. And that's just not the world, that this is not the world for me. So I am not gonna try to fight these folks who are hugely successful and really great communicators and say, you've gotta follow the way I'm doing. But I do believe in reformation and I do believe that there's a reformation coming and I do believe it's gotta look different. And so I'm just gonna continue to talk about that and see what happens, you know? And I'm not saying I'm not Martin Luther by any means, you know? I'm learning this stuff from Dr. Martin Luther King, who had a pastor of a church. You know, I'm also learning this stuff from a guy named Paul Tillich, who was like a German kicked out of, uh, from Germany, who was kicked out of Germany by Hitler himself, which is, I guess, a pretty cool thing to say. You know, I'm learning this from even people like John Lydon and reading their books and watching documentaries and interacting with art and taught, reading uh, Sigmund Freud. Oh my gosh, oh no, Freud. You know, and reading folks like this and, and studying things like this and, 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 and using it from my experience of 30 years into this work. So that's where this is coming from. I feel like I'm ringing the bell, but you know, I'm ringing the bell to just the 12 disciples. Um, But, you know, I've been blocking, like I said, I've been muting, I've been unfollowing certain things and just kind of backing up. But one of the things I want to say is it's not easy. It's not, like, guys, if you read all these books back here, you've got punk rock books, you've got philosophy books, you've got theology books, you've got Kierkegaard books, you've got, 
you know, uh, Public Enemy, you got, uh, you know, books on hip hop, you got books on 12 Steps, you got, you know, you know, just, I'm grateful for the learning disabilities that I have and the different interests I have. I've learned a lot from folks like, I've learned a lot from Chuck D, you know, I mean, it's like, I think he's up here somewhere. No, Chuck D's way up on the top. Hey, look, I got my Chuck D figure up there and my bust of Dr. King. Um, and a Morrissey picture, believe it or not. He's not that cool to like, right? Um, anyway, evangelical. Uh, so, you know, I've been trying to, to watch myself because I don't, I don't want to just feed at the same trough. I don't want to create an enemy. Um, watching, uh, you know, I mean, like I said before, watching people stand up to mean evangelicals is great, but it also brings me back into that world of us versus them, and that's just not a world I want to be in. Um, I must remind myself that I am, uh, that I'm a spectator. At best, maybe a peacemaker or someone who helps expose the tension that is already there. And where do I get that? I get that from the concept of nonviolence. I get that from Dr. King. Um, uh, you know, and Dr. King, we could go down where Dr. King gets that, you know, Bernard Russell and, and, and all these different people. And also Cornel West, who's running for president, which is wild, is also one of my huge influences. Um, I got to see him speak quite a few times when I lived in New York, and it was quite amazing. Um, but I, I got to remind myself that I'm often, a sp like, okay, because I want to jump in, and I want to be like, don't know, like, I want to be like Batman, you know, and like, you did this, this is what happened to my parents, so I must stop you so you don't do this to other people, or that it doesn't happen to you, you know, and I've jumped into those conversations before, and literally had very well-meaning progressive folks and conservative folks tell me, you're not welcome here. You know, so, okay, you're not adding anything to this conversation because we're trying to attack this person and you're making that harder. We don't like it. Okay, uh, you know, cool. Like, it's okay to, I'm the, you know, I'm a white heterosexual, so don't worry, I don't have feelings. I'll move away from the thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like these, we label each other. We play these politics with each other. You know, we don't think like, oh, you know, so as soon as we, we find someone to, to focus the blame on, you know, oh, it must be the poor, oh, it must be the, you know, the foreigners coming in over here, oh, it must be, uh, the, 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 you know, no, it's, it's really greed. I think greed, if we really wanted to nail it down, is, is greed, and then we live in a capitalist system that supports that, and, and one of us can barely pay our bills, and there's really wealthy people up here who just love to watch us all fight, and we get distracted, so we're fighting liberals and Democrats are fighting and we're not realizing like our politicians are like making tons of money off of like bombs and all the stuff that we, you know, we're distracted. We're not talking about because they're just going like, Oh, lucky and Martin. Oh, big pharma. And we're all like, no, you're you know, fighting over something else. And they love it. They love the fact that we're distracted. If you really want to think what I think, that's what I think. I could be wrong, but I could be right. So, but this is also tough. It's also tough to say, like, I want to be a peacemaker. It's also tough to say, you know, I, I'm just going to try to watch without judgment or watch and silently judge. 
Um, I do like a good bit of gossip, I, I will admit. I, I like when people spill the tea. Um, like when people are like having a hard, com a hard conversation behind me at a, like at a diner, I'm like, mm, what are they saying? Um, so I'll make it clear, this is also very tough and kind of a dying to your flesh type of deal here as well. And eventually, everything I'm speaking about, if it came to pass and we saw this start to happen where we had these communities of diverse thinking and there were, whoa, conservatives and liberals and white and black and men and women and trans and us's and them's and we's and we're all sitting together singing harmony. One day we're going to be a group that somebody else is not going to dig. And eventually that'll need reforming too. Like eventually this is going to like, every 500 years, it was Phyllis Tickle used to say, it's also someone I got to know through the Emergent Church and she was awesome and hilarious. You know, she said every 500 years, the, world, the church needs to have like a, like a garage sale and get rid of what it doesn't need and, 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 and just let stuff go. And she felt that we were in that time. And, uh, and I think maybe we still are, um, but it was really hard to watch like communities, people who you cared about and hung out with all of a sudden turn on each other and not work together. And you know, when the emergent church thing kind of fell through, it was kind of like, oof, you know, time to move on. To the next town um but she believed that and i, I have to say I, I i hope to agree with her but sometimes it feels really hopeless you know sometimes it feels super super hopeless like nothing's gonna happen and the world's just a shit show you know and uh, then a question mark appears in space <laughs> anyway uh for this work i truly believe it it, it it could be a Protestant movement, but it could also be outside of the Protestant movement. I don't know. But we're going to have to kill our idols, not, not physically. But we're going to have to, like, realize, like, there's certain things that when we, that we put above others that we, we have to sacrifice. And neither is that easy. That's another hard one, you know. Um, for me, it's so funny because, like, I really like Cornell West and he's running. And, and I remember back in the day when, uh, gosh, who was running? It was, uh, it was George Bush and uh, it wasn't Bob Dole. Bob Dole likes it. Um, why is his name escaping me? Inconvenient Truth, remember him? Um, invented the internet. Nobody? <laughs> he talked like this. Um, but I remember somebody telling me during that, during when George W. was running, uh, like, oh, you can't vote for the, they were telling me they were going to vote for the Green Party, you know, and third party. And I was like, oh, you can't. That's a vote for the, you know. So I know what it's like to be stuck in that mentality of you have to think this, you have to do this, you have to think like I think, or you're going to destroy everyone. You know, um, I get it, um, but those are those are hard ways to die. You know, those are hard things to give up. But that happens through growth and and, and education and and better understanding of, of of just humanity. We're almost done, I promise, folks. I believe Galatians is a great map, roadmap for this, believe it or not. Um, I've really laid off Galatians since the beginning of the year, which you all should be proud of me because it's, that's like supposed to be the first thing we do every year. And, uh, 
And I always want to pull it out and talk about it because I love Galatians and I've really done well to kind of, all right, you know, but I do believe Galatians is a great roadmap, to, you know, bringing these two communities, Al Gore, yes, that was who it was. It was Al Gore. Sorry, that was Gore and W. I wasn't particularly in love with Gore. I just didn't like W as much. Um, but anyway. So, so yeah, so, so, I lost my train of thought. And, oh, yeah, Galatians. I believe Galatians is, is a really great roadmap for, for how we could build better communities and better kind of church ideas. Um, and I'll say, like, also Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 um, is, 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 you know, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, uh, endures through every circumstance, uh, what is it? keeps no record of when it's been wronged, uh, never demands its own way. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, I'm trying to call it from the top of my head, but it's fantastic. Look it up, you know? It's, it's like, what is this? You want to talk about unconditional love? This is why I'm like, I had it read at my first wedding, and I was like, this probably shouldn't be read at weddings anymore because it's like, you know, it's almost, it's almost an impossible call to arms. But that's what it's saying. It, it kind of asks this impossible thing of us towards each other. And we're not going to get perfection. Uh, we'll never be perfect, but, 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 we, but we can allow this to move like water, you know, and, and, and move, ebb, and flow in how, how we love and try, try to love this way and try to love others this way. And so, you know, it, it's not irritable and it keeps no record of when it's been wronged. You know, this, is, this seems like a miraculous, amazing stuff that Paul's talking about, this concept of, of what love can be for others. Not a romantic love, but love for others, love for a community. God's love for us. Um, so I think that would be a big part of, of what, what, it would, what, what it would, you know, a driving force would be that. Um, we're going to read from the book of John. Sorry, it's like 500 degrees in Seattle today. And I did not expect it to be. All right, here it is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 1 through 7. Everybody, thanks for sticking with me. This is such a long talk. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. You see, that comes back, harking back to what we were talking about earlier about those memes, you know. Uh, you know, your, your religion does not prohibit me from anything. It prohibits you, you know, stay in your lane kind of thing. So it, love, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. So that's, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like, oh, yeah, but it rejoices when the truth happens, but not, and I don't think a really like, ha, 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 you've been destroyed, you've been exposed, you know, like this evil way that harms someone. I think a greater truth of like the fact, like maybe one day we wake up and go like, oh man, these politicians have divided us over these certain issues just to kind of as a smokescreen or, you know, we find these things out and we rejoice when we figure out that the truth of them, hey, maybe late stage capitalism is hurting a lot of people, you know? Um, 
Anyway, but it's not ir irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, so it carries all burdens, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then 8.1 says, love never ends. And it goes on to say prophecy and all this other stuff ends, but love never ends. So I think this is part of it. I think it's, that, this is the idea of like being in those moments. You know, and when to say speak and when to say piss off. There are times where I know, you know, I know that it, sometimes it's just the right answer is you piss off. It's like just an angry forward answer out of just saying like, this is, this, I've reached my limit. There's sometimes that happens, but that should be the exception, not the norm. You know, I grew up where that was the norm where people were just so judgmental and so angry and, you know, you didn't ask questions and you would just kick anybody out of the church if they didn't do the right thing, kick anybody out of the youth group if they did something ridiculous, you know. Um, I, I, I saw this thing from a Christian school I went to the other day and I, I made a comment on their post and uh, about how harshly I was treated when I was there as a kid and I'm like, I'm 47, still kind of carrying this with me. And they didn't, like, go out of their way to apologize, but eventually they're like, you know, we're sorry you experienced that here, you know, kind of very generic apology. But you know what? It was an apology. You know and I decided to do? I just decided to accept it and just go, okay. You know? I wanted to say more, but I felt like, no, they, that's the, the least they could do, and they did it, and I'm just going to try to move on and accept that apology. I wanted to be like, hey, you need to, kids and blah, blah, blah. And then a few weeks later, I found out one of my best friends I grew up with his kids is going to the same school. So, you know, what is that about? Um, but love never ends. And it talks about a lot of this other stuff that we First Corinthians is 13 is powerful. It's, it's not just for weddings anymore. Um, and Romans 12, too, is a verse that I've always just, I've never really, I don't know why. I mean, I've read Romans, gone through Romans very, uh, quite a few times. Um, I did a whole study on Romans back at Revolution. It took us like, almost a year to get through, I think. But here's one thing I want to read from Romans 2 that kind of made sense for me. And for some of you who are thinking like, oh, he's just being wishy-washy and he wants just a paradise. And oh my gosh, and love makes the world go around and kind of, I feel like mocking, maybe not mocking. I'm not sure. I feel like there's some mocking going on right now. Um, but Romans 12.2 says, uh, do not be conformed of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, there's no pressure there. <laughs> um, but perfect love casts out all fear. Like often perfection is related to love. For by the grace given to me, oh, there's grace, thank goodness, because that perfect part was freaking me out. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So don't think of yourself more highly. Like, we just think we're great judges of everyone's character and who's in and who's out. Like, and it doesn't matter what our political background leaning is, right or left. We just think we're just, oh, we're the, the cat's pajamas. And, you know, so I can say, like, oh, this person's not, you know, oh, that guy's a turf or that guy's a you know, uh, you know, a crazy liberal or that guy over there. You know what I mean? Like, we're just able to just, like, really, like, we're going to make the judgments here, and we're going to say what these people are, and we're going to, you know, never met them, but this is it. Because you know why we judge? We judge is because, like, thinking is tough. Like, thinking through critical thinking 
and thinking positive is, is one, it's hard to do because it's really something you've got to learn to do over time. But it's also something that's like it's, critical thinking's tough to not just throw somebody out because you go like, oh, I got a little sprinkle of that and I don't like that. So let's just get them out of here, you know? Um, let's leave a shitty comment that might ruin their day. Um, I mean, I had this one person, I put something up about my mom that was really kind, and this was like years ago, and then this person, and, and I think the fact that they went to uh, like a big theological tr uh, school really bothered me, but they said some really horrible things about my mom and then posted this really horrible article, and it really hurt, and it was like, I had like 150 really nice things, you know, and then I got this one person, uh, you know, and, and they just educated, I thought was educated Christian person come on and just tear my mom to shreds. And then they just really went for the jugular when I tried to defend her. And it really hurt me. I mean, I'm still hurt. It's been like, what, three years probably. And I'm still shook and shaken by that person. I was so angry. I mean, they really got the best of me. Um, but for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself as more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, and I think this idea of like sober, like this, you know, but, but think of the sober judgment, you know, according to the measure of your faith, like when you're in something, like just reality, no fuzzies, no, you know, sober, like just the reality of like this, I, I've got to be real with myself with this judgment and where I'm at at this moment and what can I handle and what I can't handle. And, uh, and that's different for all of us because we're on different journeys together. And that's something that I think would be great in uh, a group of gathering people in a, of, you know, doing that type of thing. And I think that's what we try to do here. Like, I try not to react to a lot of the messages I see because I don't see half of them because you guys are all having your own chat, which I think is really great and beautiful, but it's not easy. Uh, and so, but sometimes when I see people writing in all caps certain things, I think, oh, makes me nervous. Um, so I'm going to try to use sober judgment. But I think that's important. And that, it's funny because that's the part in Romans where it says, for as in one body we have many members and not all the members have the same function. You know, so there's things to think about there. Um, so this is where I will end, folks. Oh, this is gonna. This is a long talk. I thought this talk was gonna be five minutes, based on my notes. Um, and I want to talk about autonomy, uh, self-governing, for a minute. And I want to talk about it in this way that Tillich wrote about it. And I'm going to read it quickly because I really think we need to shut this one down. This is probably one you might I need to listen to. Um, all caps. I don't know what the... I, sorry, I missed your all caps comment. Um, but it bothers me, and obviously <laughs> it must be locked because you would. I would hope that you would go, oh... <laughs> I see you're struggling and you don't like that I use this and then it hurts, your, makes you nervous, so I'll stop using them because you're there speaking to us. Because um, <laughs> it's called kindness and compassion. But it's okay. Um, I, you know, like, caps are my biggest problem today. No problem there, you know. Here we go. It is, diff is, okay. 
We're reading from Paul Tillich, and the Paul Tillich book I'm reading for is this one right here. It's really incredible work. And um, so uh, here we go. It is, this it is this difficult and painful to break through an autonomy which has made me immune, this is Tillich talking, immune against any system through or life which demands the surrender of autonomy. So he's saying it's been really hard for me in my life as a theologian, as a pastor, as all this, with everything I've been through, and he was through uh, the first war, one of the big war in Germany, the one right before World War I, and he was uh, involved in, he was a pastor for the military in World War I, uh, and saw a lot of his friends blown to bits and die and things like that. So he, he's coming from quite a, an amazing world. Um, and seen a lot, Tillich's talking about here. Um, an early problematic between me and Karl Barth. Could you imagine having issues with Karl Barth? How cool is that? Uh, myself, he accused me of still fighting against the Grand Inquisitor. Now, see, the Grand Inquisitor can be anything. It can be the progressive church. It can be the conservative church. It can be somebody putting on all caps to, to dig in, you know. Um, this is the, the Tillich book right here, My Search for Absolutes by Paul Tillich. I believe this was his last book. So he goes, I was still fighting against the Grand Inquisitor. He is right in asserting that this is a decisive element of my theological thoughts. What I have called the Protestant principle is, I believe, the main weapon against every system of Heteronomy, heteronomy, which is H-E-T-E-R-O-N-O-M-Y, uh, which means uh, means uh, ruled or governed. So he goes, basically, the Protestant principle is, I believe, a main weapon against every system that would be ruled or governed or like a military occupation, like someone who comes in and occupies a, a territory. He always said, like, that he felt like Protestants' principles were best against that. Now, I'm at a point where I'm feeling like, and we'll see here why, why I feel like maybe as Protestants, we're, we've come on a great adventure of missing the, the point uh, completely. Um, is this. Um, but Karl Barth must have realized in the meaning that this fight never will be in the meantime. But Karl must have realized this in the meantime that this fight never will become unnecessary. History has shown that the Grand Inquisitor is always ready to re reappear in different disguises, political as well as theological. And I love that. I love this idea of the Grand Inquisitor. You know, I love this idea of that they're always, it might look like you. It might be something that you were felt safe at one time because the Grand Inquisitor, which I would say is legalism and judgmentalism, always comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, always there. And so sometimes it comes from the mighty man of God. We've seen it so many times, you know. But the problem is, is now I'm seeing it in a lot of like where the churches that I went to that I thought were all safe with my progressive brothers and sisters. I thought this was great. But now I'm starting to see the Grand Inquisitor kind of show up there legalism in a different form that doesn't recognize itself as legalism or as judgment, you know, or as disrespect, you know. It, it, it just doesn't seem that way. Um, 
So, and I will say with Tillich that the surrender of autonomy, self-governing, is not what I'm willing to do. But aren't you supposed to die to your flesh, Jay? Didn't we not talk about that? <laughs> the Bible and not be in this world, not of this world, did not Romans just, you know, allude to that? Well, let, let me talk to that for a second. Uh, their surrender of autonomy is not what I'm willing to do, as I said. The church sometimes feels like a cult. And it, it's kind of this idea of die, you, you, die, you die not for yourself, you don't die to yourself or you don't die for others, but you die to live for them, those, they are the others, and or their politics or their dogma. And I am not going to die for anybody's politics or dogma at this point in my life. I just don't have it. I'm 47, so luckily I won't be brought into the military either. Um, but the church most feels like a cult, you know, and they want you to live or die based on their dogma, their theology, or their politics, or their rules, or their regulations, or what the board's decided how their membership, you know, that's crazy. The color of the carpet, I mean, you, you know, we've all probably heard horror stories and seen things like that. No thanks. When I die for self, it will be for the love of others. You know, not a sacrifice to peer pressure, not a sacrifice to bullies. You know, not a sacrifice to like, well, you're not in if you don't do this, you know. Um, so I'm going to do my best. You know, that's why I try to, try to love my all caps friend here as well. Um, you know, I'm just being silly and goofy and it's like, hey, I'm going to go on YouTube and mess with some folks. Anyway, this is what I think. I think it's important. I think this was important work. And I think we should be thinking about stuff like this. I hope you listen to this talk more than once. And uh, think it over. Because I do think reform is possible. But I think um, it's going to be a difficult task. And it's going to require a lot of uh, not judging others. And... Uh, allowing yourself to self-govern yourself to not get not not become uh, an invisible member of a community um you know we can still die to our flesh we can still make sacrifices for other but we do it because we're we're governing ourselves there's growth yeah i'm doing this because I'm, I'm growing and i'm still governing myself and i've made the decision that this is worth doing you know um it also allows us to uh, be accountable for our deeds, accountable to things like that. That's important, right? Um, keep ourselves accountable. You know, I, I'm not going to keep myself accountable to some stranger online, you know, uh, or I'm not going to keep myself accountable to somebody because he comes into town and tells me he's a big preacher or pastor or things like that, you know. Anyway, I've seen, thank you all for your, your kind words and uh, encouragement. Sorry I got distracted there, but I'm human. Human, I am a very, very human and very, very normal person. And I've had two insanely wild children for the past five days. 
And uh, so there you go. I'm human and I need to be loved just like anyone else does. I believe that's the Smiths. All right, new order, folks. That's the only thing I'm going to scream at you about today. And uh, try not to lose my temper. Love you guys so much. Hey, thank you, Zoe. You are such an encourager, and I love you so much. And thank you, Joseph Camp, for yelling at me the whole time through lovely giant texts. Um, you're always welcomed here. And now that I know who you are, I'll just let you just, I'll just gracefully not pay attention and try to be kind as I, I can. Um, peace be with you all. Hey, here's one. This is one. If you want to mock me, mock me for this. Revolution needs your support financially, and you can give at going to revolutionchurch.com, and I can't promise you're going to get blessed or anything like that, but I know what, it'll make this work possible, and it allows me to do the kind of stuff I'm doing here, and it allows uh, me to work with my ex and her to take the kids on times like this and do this stuff and understanding because she knows how important this work is and that this job is, and it just, I have the freedom to do this work and, and, and do this work and, and read these books that not only challenge me, but now help challenge you and, and bring this down to a place where we're talking about it so it's not just in the ivory towers of, uh, you know, the education, halls of education and uh, philosophy and theology, but we're down here having these great conversations and we are going to uh, change things. But yeah, we do need your financial help. It's the only way I can continue to do this work and I'm really grateful that you all showed up this last time. So. Um, Steve asked me to say that and can urge me to say that. So I will always now try to raise funds in the memory of Steve and not in the worries of what people thought about my parents growing up. I will try my best. Thank you all. Love you so much. And um, grace to you and please grace to me as well. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. 